Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. This is a series called Parenthood, and some of you may be sitting here today and say, well, you know, I'm not a parent. I've never been a parent. Uh, I don't know if I ever will be a parent. Uh, or you're here and you say, I've already raised my kids. I've already got them out. Thank God. I got out. I changed the locks. They're not coming back. You know, that kind of stuff. Regardless if you're there or if you're right in the middle of the thick of raising kids, this is a series that is very, very, I believe, timely for our world today, for our culture. Um, because what's happening is the world is trying to redefine what it means to be a family and redefine the authority of a parent. I'm waiting for some amens to come out a little more than that, parent. They are, the world is trying to take away the authority that was given to parents, and they're trying to put it in the state's hands. Hello? We're seeing it happen all the time. We're seeing it become progressively more and more. Mom and dad, you don't get a say. You don't get to say what your kid is, a boy or a girl. We'll let them decide, and we'll tell you what it is whenever it's time is right. But until then, stay out of it. This is not right. This is why this message is so important for our world today because there is an attack on the family and there is attack on parents parents you are in the greatest battle in history listen you may never fire a gun and you may never go and 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 stand on the front lines on a tank division you may never be out on the ocean somewhere on a battleship but i'm telling you every day parents you're in a fight you're in a battle you are on the front lines to stand up for what is right, what is true, what is godly, and what it's going to take to raise a generation to change the generations to come. Because that is what's at stake here. What's at stake is not what's happening now. It's what's going to happen 20 years from now. Because the generation we raise today is the generation that will lead us tomorrow. I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. Hello? Are you all hearing me? I mean, if we as Christ followers, as lovers of God, as pursuers of truth, if we don't start investing and instilling inside of our kids and our generations to come, God help us. Because the world is going to tell you everything that is polar opposite of what God says. Trust me, if the world says it's this, I guarantee you God's word says it's not. If they say the wrong is right, I guarantee you we know that the right is always wrong. And that's what's happening. There's this shift that's happening. We've seen it happen over the last several years very um, aggressively. Uh, I would say covid really stirred up a lot of demonic and evil things. Hello? There is a real devil, there are real demons, and they are at work in our world today. They are trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy the future of our lives, of our generations. And if we're not careful, we'll fall for it because we don't hold the line. So here's what we've learned so far. First week, I talked about the parent's priority. And, and listen, either you're a parent or you were a parent or you're going to be a parent or you're over the life of children. If you're a teacher, if, 
if you're an employer, if you have any responsibility over younger generations, this is for you. The priority that we have as leaders, as parents, is to transfer, this is what I, we learned week one, transfer dependency and authority from us to God. That's our priority. We are to teach kids when they're little to trust God, to depend on God, but for now, they trust us, they depend on us, they look to us for everything, and rightly so. But as they get older, the goal is to understand and to help them understand that their dependency needs to be on God. Their trust needs to be on God. Their source, their strength, everything needs to be on God. Their financial security has got to be on God, not on their job, not on their savings account, not on their bank account, but on God. And so parents, our number one priority is transfer dependency from us to God. That's the first thing. Last week, we learned about the three unchanging principles of parenting and of life. And I said this, of just do, and that's two weeks ago, of just doing life, of just who we are. Here it is. We are to love much. We are to have a loving touch, not in a perverse way, in a very pure, godly way. Jesus said, let the little kids come to me because he wanted to teach them what God's touch his loving touch and very innocent touch was all about. And in a world full of perversity, in a world full of that perverts everything, right? Come on, let's talk about it. You, there's such a perversity that's going on. That's not what God wants. God wants us as conduits of his to be able to teach our kids what loving touch is all about in a very pure, godly way. Hugs, good hugs, hugs that just embrace when they go through the hardest time in their life, the hugs that pick them up and say, man, I love you. They don't have to say a word at all, but the touch is so pure and so right. So first thing was loving touch, then abundant time, spending time with our kids, investing in them beyond the, the school drives back and forth, spending time with them inside their room, getting to know who they are, understanding their quirks, their, their way they are, their frustrations, their, their hurts, their pains, abundant time. The last thing was encouraging talk, speaking life into them, lifting them up, edifying them, talking about what good things they're doing. Do they do stupid things? Yes, they're kids. Do they do things that drive you frustrated and angry? Yes, they're kids. They're kids. But to be encouraging where you can, to speak life where you can, and to build up where you can, that's what it's all about. Loving touch, abundant time, encouraging talk. Here's the thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this thing called discipline. Turn your neighbor and say discipline. Now, immediately when I start to talk about discipline, many of you are going to tune me off right away because you're like, ah, I got this down. It's no big deal. Or some of you are going to say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I've got to tell you right now, I don't know what I'm talking about at all. I'm completely a dum-dum when it comes to discipline. But God's word is not. And God's word teaches us and helps us understand what it means to live a disciplined life. What is discipline, first off? Let me tell you what discipline is. Discipline, defined, is correction driven by love. Correction driven by love. That is the definition of discipline. When we love our children, we discipline them when we help them grow in the ways of God. Uh, but let's just be honest. I know raising kids is an interesting, uh, uh, interesting adventure altogether. 
Uh, when you have one child, it's kind of like playing basketball. When you have one child, it's, a, it's kind of a two-on-one kind of thing. It's pretty easy. Uh, you can kind of share the load, and you're kind of all in together. Those of you who had one child, you kind of know, hey, t- one kid was easy. It's why we go through this idea to have another one. This one was so easy. Why not have another one, you know? So we have another one. Well, then that shifts things a little bit on the basketball team. It becomes a one-on-one kind of thing where you're kind of splitting the load, splitting the duties, one-on-one, taking that, you know, taking a little position here and there. And then you get three kids. And now it's zone defense. It is pick a zone and protect zones because you got hands everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's nuts. And then you go for four kids, and God love you, God help you. I have no advice, but I'll be praying for you. <laughs> you know? It's just, it's one of those things that kids is so challenging. But here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says about discipline. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. Uh, my son will say, my daughter, speaking to men and women today, my son, my daughter, uh, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. When he does rebuke you or corrects you or disciplines you, don't lose heart. Why? Because the Lord disciplines those what? He loves. Don't get bitter because you're being corrected, but know that through the correction is the love that God has. Bow your heads to me today. Father, help us today to hear from your word, to be challenged by God in our own personal lives, God, as well as our life between you and us, because God You discipline those you love. You love us so dearly that, God, you correct us, you change us, you challenge us, you make us new. So help us to do that today. Speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Proverbs 19, verse 18, another uh, encouraging word about discipline says this. It says, uh, discipline your son or your daughter, uh, for in that there is hope. There is hope. It says, do not be a willing party, goes on to say, Do not be a willing party in their death. Wow. So Scripture is telling us, you discipline because you love. But if you do not discipline, be careful because you may be allowing them to go down the road of death. Now, this could be spiritual death. Obviously, it could definitely be spiritual death. But God forbid, could be even physical death. This is what the scripture is challenging us to do. See, the number one battle parents we fight as parents is this. Who's in charge? The number one question that's going to be answered in your home is who's in charge? Are the parents in charge or are the kids in charge? Do the parents make the decisions and that's what it is? Or do the kids make decisions and the parents jump through the hoops to make the kids happy? I'm here to tell you, parents, happy is not the end game. Your job as a parent is not to make your kids happy. Because guess what? There's going to be a boss in their future one day. He's not going to care less about their happiness. Our job as parents is not to make them happy. It's not to make them content. It's not to make them satisfied. Our job is to raise them in a loving way to help them become good people of the world.
That was like one of the most pitiful applauses I've ever. <laughs> it's like some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we got to be happy. I don't know. You know, here's why this is so hard to speak about and why sometimes you don't get real excited about it. Because if we start observing our lives, we go, I have been trying to make my kid happy. And I've been doing a lot of stuff to try to make them happy. I buy them stuff. I provide stuff for them. I take them on trips. I, I, I take them to all the, all the amusement parks, and we have a great time. And you provide all this stuff, and yet they seem still unhappy. They still seem unsatisfied. And yet, probably the, at the core, what we're missing out on is the only true contentment we find in life is through Christ. It's pointing them to Jesus. That that amusement park's going to pass, or that toy is going to get old, or that box that they get the toy in is going to get old. This is the part that we have to point to. So if you have your notes, write this down, because this is the point I want, I want to give you today. Discipline isn't something we do to our children. It's what we do for our children. We're not, dis, we're not disciplining them because we can't stand them. We're doing it because it will save their life. It helps them navigate through life. And what's interesting is that I preach this message. Those of you that look around, I know you've already raised your kids. You're all sitting there going. And those of you who are right in the thick of it go, I've tried. I'm tired. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is. I, I will honestly say with the, from the depths of my heart, parents, I am praying for you. Because I know it's tough. I'm raising young adults that are in their 20s in a world full of compromise, in a world full of tolerance. I'm still raising my kids in a world that's trying to negotiate the spiritual direction of their life. I'm still raising them. I can't imagine what it's like for you guys. But I will tell you the things that I'm going to tell you today are, are principles that are biblically found and will help you in the future. Zig Ziglar, who's a famous author, said this. He says, a child who has not been disciplined with love in this little world will be disciplined without love in his big world. So if you do not show discipline and love in your world, they're going to get in the real world. And trust me, they're not going to be very gracious at all. There's going to be no love at all. It's going to be borderline abuse. So we have to discipline. So I want to do two things. I want to talk first off, first half, is I want to talk about different types of parents. And you may fall in this category. You may not. I may not cover one that you're in. You may be one that I'm covered and you're too in denial to admit it. But either way, I'm going to talk about that. Then I'm going to talk about what we should expect with our kids and discipline. Three types of parents. Three types of parents I'm just going to touch on real quickly is this. First off, we have the lifeguard parents. The lifeguard parents. These are the parents that rescue their kids from every single situation, every single circumstance, and never allow them to face circumstances or consequences for their own actions or what they do. This is a challenge. Little Johnny forgets his lunch 300 times when he is in third grade, and you keep taking your lunch, his lunch to him. Now he's a sophomore in college. He forgets his lunch, and he loses 1,000 pounds or something. You know, It's like this is the rescue parent. Uh, a rescue parent also is one that um, they know how evil their child is, but that teacher better not tell them how evil their child is. Are you all with me? This is the parent that it lives in denial, that knows what knows the soul of their child, knows how this kid, who is this kid? 
But man, the minute the phone call or the email comes from the teacher, oh, I'm going to talk to her right now, or I'm going to give it to him. Why? The lifeguard parent has to rescue. Parents, can I give you something? Grace advice. Trust me when I say this. Your teacher is not against your child, not bullying your child, not picking on your child. Your teacher is for your child. Trust me when I say nobody is doing teaching because it pays well. They're doing it because they have a heart to instill and instruct kids. So if, uh, if you get an email, and we've had this in our home, if a teacher would say something to us, we did not believe our kid. <laughs> we didn't believe what they said. We let them talk, but we said, we're going to go talk to the teacher. We're going to find out what the teacher says. Let's get the truth from there. Don't be a lifeguard parent. It's very careful. Here's why. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A person reaps what they sow. If you do not teach, allow your kids to learn the consequences for the decision when they're little, they will never know them when they get older. And they will go into a world full of entitlement and rescue and safety that is not even out there. It's not even, it does not exist. So parents, be careful not to always jump in and rescue your kids because they've made a decision or they did something. Um, little Johnny got into a fight at school, and instead of disciplining his behavior or fighting, you go and blame it on the kid. Well, he got agitated. He was agitated. Well, listen, little Johnny has an anger problem. Deal with Johnny's anger problem in your home because that is what needs to be dealt with. So lifeguard parents is the first one. Uh, lifeguard parents sweep in to rescue the kids from their consequences and we all know that there's consequences for decisions we make. Second kind of parent is called an etch-a-sketch parent. Etch-a-sketch parent. Uh, etch-a-sketch parent. What is an etch-a-sketch? Some of you are asking because some of you are just too young to, to really know what it is. It is an Arkansas iPad. Uh, etch-a-sketch, red, square. Uh, I don't know, magical dust in the middle. I don't know what it's made of, but it's magical. And it has the two little knobs, and you draw, you draw straight lines or up lines. And some people can do, like, really cool things with it. I never could. Someone could do a curve. I couldn't do a curve. Couldn't say, do it for the life of me. But some people are really good at it. But what is Etch-A-Sketch? Whenever you don't like what you have, what do you do? Everybody do it with me. What do you do? You shake it up, and you erase it, and it's like it never was. An Etch-A-Sketch parent is a person who draws a line, a parent who draws a line, but the next day, the line is erased and changed. They're never consistent. They're never steady. They're constantly bobbing back and forth. Well, oh, ah, yeah. You know, they're like, okay, this is it. Your curfew. You're 11 o'clock. You'll be here at 11 o'clock. They show up at 1130. Okay, tomorrow, you'll be here at 1130. Right? Because they, sh they shook it. They, they get shook up and they change the boundaries. Um, one thing that our family drew a line in, uh, Michelle and I were very unified on, and that is you will go to church. You will go to church. Now, there were times that we didn't have a youth pastor, and on Wednesday nights, they may have gone to another church, but they went to church. Um, in our home, they went to our church until they were old enough, 18 years old, to decide if they wanted to go someplace else. But while they were in our home, they had to go to church. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, well, aren't you going to make them hate God and hate church? I mean, that, I, I don't want to embitter my kids at church. Let me tell you something. It's about 
We showed them, demonstrated inside our home, the priority was church, community. Because in the community, there's strength. And in the community, there is identity. I wanted our kids to identify with you as family and not their rum-dum friends. Right? They have great friends. Don't get me wrong. They have great friends. But I wanted them to know this was their community. And so uh, while you may disagree with that, that's what we had in our home. Church is a priority. We will go to church. Draw the line and don't erase it. Draw the line. Stick with it. Just make sure that what line you draw, you can stand by long term because they will push you at the line. Okay? So make sure you can stand by it. Third type of parent is this, split decision parents. Split decision parents is our parents that um, are not unified in their decision making. Uh, here's what Amos says. I know, Amos 3.3. You never hear Amos read in church. I mean, it's, some of you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Like, Amos? I thought that was a cookie. Famous Amos, come on. Uh, no, Amos 3.3, a book in the Bible, it says, uh, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So parents, mom, dad, uh, make a decision and stick with it. Be unified in front of those kids. Now, very real in a world full of divorce. Talk to divorced families because I know that's a reality for many of you here today and many in our world today. Uh, divorce is a very real thing. Uh, and sometimes what happens in divorce, there becomes this battle. And the battle that takes place is, it, one, can be with the kids. The kids figure out because they're very smart, they're very cunning, they're very intelligent beings. They learn how to pit mom against dad in a divorced home. So mom and dad, if you've gone through a divorce, I'm going to encourage you, please make sure that you don't allow your kids to pit you against the other spouse, or the other uh, former spouse. Second thing is this. Make sure you're not pitting them against each other. And here's why. As, as, as tough as divorce is, the byproduct of divorce are our kids. And because of that, let's do everything we can for the betterment of our children. Because they're the ones that will carry that with them the rest of their life. I don't really care what the reasons are for divorce. I don't care why you got divorced. I don't care. It is about the kids. You have to set aside your differences and say, you know what? If I got to make a difficult phone call or a conversation, I'm going to do that because that's what little Johnny needs or little Sally needs or whatever your child's name is. So that's one. The second thing is this blended family. As you uh, get remarried and as you bring more people in the family, understand that that's very challenging. That's a hard thing to overcome. I'm, I'm proud of so many of our families who have done that, that I know I have friends that have done that, and I've watched them do it successfully. I don't know how they did it, not perfectly, not, not flawlessly, but they've done it pretty well. And that is this. They make sure that they are unified in front of the kids, disagree behind closed doors. So you have the uh, Etch-a-Sketch parent. You have the lifeguard parent, you have split decision parents. I don't know which one you are, I don't know which category you fit into, uh, but whichever one that it is, make sure that you are doing everything you can for the betterment of the child. So let's shift gears. Let's talk about your children. Let's talk about raising kids, because honestly, that's the challenge today. Raising kids. I have three things I want to give you before you leave about raising kids, or if you're a teacher, or you're a leader of students, or leader of children, here are things that you need to understand and what you should expect. Um, for first time in cheerful obedience. 
It says, this is pleasing the Lord. Notice that it was not the instruction to say, when you warn them a hundred times. It did not say, when you snag them over and over again. It did not say, uh, counting one, two, three. God, what is up with the counting, guys? Come on. It's first-time obedience. First time. Man, there was no counting in my home. It was, hey, Kevin, and then it was, bam, something went down. Thunder and lightning came and got me, <laughs> you know? I was like, yep. Yeah. So it taught me, first time, obedience, let's go. Do it right now. If I was told to take out the trash, it wasn't take out the trash when you feel like it. It wasn't told to take out the trash tomorrow. It wasn't told to take out the trash four times. It was, hey, Kevin, take out the trash. The trash was taken out. Because if it wasn't, thunder and lightning. Okay? Thunder, lightning. That's the way it happens. Um, we learn first-time obedience. Parents, if I can beg you of anything, train your kids to be immediately responsive. Don't count. Don't give them leeway. They need to know who's in charge. And when you count, you're telling them non-verbally you're in charge because I can't control you. No, parents, you are in charge. I empower you. I implore you. You are in charge of this little child that is in front of you. And if you teach them young, they will grow up into it. Not only do we do, do first-time obedience, but cheerful obedience. It says, do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. First off, let me say this. It starts with us as adults. We have to do it first, and then we watch, the kids watch it as they go through Discipline the attitude more than the actions. Discipline the attitude more than the actions. Let me tell you something. It's like the dad that comes home from work, and he goes into his son. He says, listen, you've been having an attitude with your mom. You've been talking back to her. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. You've been talking back to your mom, and I'm not going to stand for it. No, I'm not, dad. She's, she's making that up. I'm not talking back to her. And he says, that's it. Go to your room. The boy goes to his room, he slams the door, and dad says, took care of that. I got him. Did he? No. The action says he did, but the attitude was all right there. And this is the challenge. Discipline the attitude, because I say this all the time. You can write this down. This is a freebie for you. Outwardly agreeable, inwardly rebellious. And the rebellion is the part that as parents... We have to say and correct. So, immediate first time and uh, cheerful obedience. Second thing is this. This is very important. So, first, we expect first time obedience. We expect cheerful obedience. But, with that being said, number two, we never discipline in anger. We never discipline in anger. We never discipline with a slap, right? Y'all say yes. We never discipline with a with a whack across the face, we never discipline with an open hand. We discipline with, without having anger in us. Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Let me just say, one of the most challenging places this is going to push you is going to be in your car rides. <laughs> Typically to church. <laughs> when you're running late and you're trying to get there on time, because you got to look like a perfect family when you walk into the church and you want everything to be perfect and you got, got them all dressed up just to the nine to the hill and you're like, shut up and sit down, right? 
This is the hardest part that it comes out. And admittedly, it's, it's very, very hard. Now, a very non-politically stance, non-politically correct stance I'm going to take. I, Michelle and I, we did believe in corporal punishment or spankings. We did believe that and practice that in our home. Because it's a tough subject to talk about, but there are some kids that are very strong-willed, and the only thing they understand is spare the rod, spoil the child. They only understand that will that needs to be broken, not because you're authority, not because you're power-hungry, but because if you don't break it, the world is going to break them. Can I, can I be honest with you? We, some of us have strong-willed children. I'm one of them. I'm a, I'm a product of strong will. I was a strong-willed child, and uh, my, my parents not only believed in co corporal punishment, I think they were in a club. <laughs> but looking back over my life, trust me when I say, I've looked over my life and I said, I'm just glad they didn't kill me. Because I was very, very strong-willed. I did so many stupid things. And so with that being said, uh, don't spake in anger. Never do anything out of anger. Uh, make sure that you're always uh, observing your attitude. What's interesting is years ago, this no spanking philosophy came out. And the reason why is because, well, if you spank them, they're going to become violent children and they're going to become angry children. And so don't spank them because uh, it'll mess them up. We want to be more peace loving, more kind, more gentle people in society. Can I ask you guys a question? Has that worked? I mean, we live in the most violent, uh, uh, angry, uh, not peace-loving culture that our kids have been raised in, and, and a lot of them is because they just do whatever they want to do, and there's never a consequence for what they do. So my challenge to you is this, whether to spank or not spank, that's not really it. It's discipline. Discipline, not abuse. Never abuse, never out of anger, never out of frustration, because trust me, when you have any kids, it can be frustrating. Um, there's some parents that I know here today that I watch them raise their kids, and I wish I was that patient of a parent. They're like angels to me. I look at them and go, wow, they must be sent from heaven above. How do they do it? I don't know how they do it. But of course, I don't see them behind closed doors. It could be a whole different story. Who knows? All right. So first time cheerful obedience. Next one is never discipline with anger. Okay, Logan, come on back out. Uh, <laughs> Third thing is this. Third thing is this. We will discipline promptly with instruction. <laughs> we will discipline promptly and with instruction uh, and reconciliation. This is very, very crucial part. Uh, we are to discipline. We are to love. We are to correct where they're at. But just make sure that we do it in a loving way. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up the in the training and the instructions of the Lord. Do not exasperate. That means do not embitter them. Do not wear them out. Do not exhaust them. Don't make them hate you. But I'm here to tell you, men, fathers, mothers, the most loving thing you can do is to love your kids with instruction. So, brother sits down, takes sister's Barbie, and she slaps him across the face. You sit your daughter down, and you instruct on what she did 
was wrong. And she can say all day long, well, he did this. No, no. We're talking about your attitude as well as her actions, but her attitude because that's what needs to be corrected. You need to, parents, get your kids to admit they did wrong. Admission is healing. They need to admit. She needs to admit, yeah, you're right. I, I was wrong. I should never have done that. And then we instruct, okay, next time, when he does that, instead of retaliating, just come talk to me. Come tell me. Now you're going to have your kid come to you all the time. Make sure when they come to you all the time that you don't say, just get along. It's worst advice ever. They don't know how. They don't know how to get along. Your job, parents, is to teach them how to get along. Your job is to instruct them, to educate them, because if you don't, someone else will. And then here's the last part. So you instruct, you educate, you correct them, you help, you help them admit they did wrong. And then the last thing is this, you reconcile with them. You let them know you're not mad. You let them know how much you love them. You hug them. You show affection to them. You let them know, even if you have to go to a, to a spanking, to a discipline that way, you still come back and you still love them and you let them know, you don't know how hard this is for me to do this to you. This is the heart of the Father. This is what God does. God looks at what decisions we make and he has to discipline us. And when he does, he says, you don't know how hard this is for me. But if I don't do this, your life will be lost. And I love you too much. I've given too much for you to be lost. And parents, we have got to do the same. A loving embrace, an encouraging word. And then finally, in that reconciliation, a time of prayer time to ask God to help the both of you communicate better, a time to help God to help you uh, love them even in their difficulties. Be there for them when they need you the most. Because why? Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children for this is hope. Do not be a party to their death. Closing. I, um, there's laws that are written, and I'll take laws as kind of uh, the, the authority that would be in all of our lives, certain laws that are given. One of those laws is seatbelts. Now, I was raised, you know, no seatbelts. You know, how many guys are raised, no seatbelt, no seatbelt laws or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, seatbelt was mom coming across holding you like this. That was the seatbelt, you know? So seatbelts are not one of those things that I'm really less a big fan of. You know, I, do I think they work? Yes. Do I think they're good? Yes, yes, yes. I think it's just one of those authority things that I'm like, you have to wear a seatbelt. No, I don't. I'm in my own car. But I remember one time, the change of seatbelts. I still don't wear my seatbelt all the time, just being honest. This won't go online, so I won't get arrested or anything like that. Brian, don't, oh, Brian's not in here. I can say whatever I want. Okay, good. Uh, we were coming back from St. Louis. The weather was real bad. And so I had all the kids buckle up. Michelle and I buckle up. We're coming back. We're in our minivan. We're going through Hannibal. We're coming down that steep hill. 
uh, from St. Louis where General Mills, the General Mills factory is. You guys, if you've driven that way, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I started stopping well in advance to, to stop at the light, but the weather was bad. Uh, it has been sleeting and freezing, and I did not give enough time. And we slid through the intersection, got T-boned, and it spun our van around and threw us on the other side of the highway. It's right at the intersection there. Threw us on the other side of the highway, and we went up on the, uh, the curb of the, the, the median there. We stopped. And of course, you're dazed and confused. You don't really know what's going on. And I got out and looked around at what was going on once we kind of came to, and the door was completely sealed. Couldn't even get the door open where Tyler was sitting. Tyler was just young, what, five, six years old, something like that. So Lily would have just uh, behind him four. And uh, so where Tyler was at, that's where the impact was. snowing, door is completely buckled in, and I look through the window, and there's Tyler, not knowing what's going on, his seat is sat sideways, but he's buckled up, and you know, it's in those moments in time that you go, I didn't understand the law, but the law saved my son's life. We don't always understand why we have to discipline, but parents, if we don't, we could lose our kids. That's what's at stake here. Not about being a cool parent. You're not gonna be cool. You're a dork. You're not cool. But if you love them, you will discipline them because that is what God says. God says you love them, you discipline them, you watch over them, you help them navigate the challenges of life. You teach, you instruct, you love, you reconcile, you, you speak the word, you set first obedience, first word said, obey. That's what you do. And you start to train your children that that is what we do as Christ followers because that's what's pleasing to the Lord. And this is why this subject is so important because whether you're a parent just starting off or raising your kids in the thick of things or like me have raised my kids or in the future you're going to raise kids I hope you remember this I hope you remember this I hope you remember that discipline is true love in action your kids will never like it we don't I don't like it but it's the greatest gift God gives me is when he loves me enough to discipline me bow your heads to me today Father God Help us today to understand that when correction comes, it's because you love us. You see down the road that we cannot see. You see what our kids are going to become before we ever see that. And God, all we're doing is trying to survive day by day by day by day. So God, I pray that you'll help us be conduits of correction, conduits of discipline for our kids' sake. Because God, you love us so much and we want to love them as well. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Whoa, whoa. 
God bless you guys. Go be blessed by God. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night or next Sunday. All right. God bless you. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkiakuk.com.